it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, hello, good evening, and welcome to Winners and Losers from the LSD Day Troopers. I am delighted to be joined, Gavin. I'm delighted to be joined by Davo, who's going to give out fuck about Liverpool, and uh, Colin, who's come on because Aston Villa have sacked Stephen Gerrard, won four 0 grabbed um, Unai Emery from Villarreal, and he's he just said to us before he come on, it's like been a great two days. It's the first time he's loved football in over a year. Davo, um, how hard are you going to go on Liverpool tonight? Uh, do you know what? I, I could go hard, but in, the, in a funny uh, twist of things, I probably could have put Liverpool as the winner with how the results went. Yeah. For every result went for Liverpool this weekend, apart from we Liverpool's. couldn't beat the fucking bottom team. But yeah. look, we'll have we'll have a little fucking chat anyway. Okay. Conan, um, I listened to your podcast last week, post-Fulham, and you were having an absolute breakdown yourself and your brother, isn't it? Um yeah. Having an absolute breakdown, and then everything changed halfway through the podcast when you got the news of Stephen Jarrett being sacked, and you've been <laughs> on, you've been flying ever since. Um, we're definitely going to talk Stephen Jarrett and some Unai Emery tonight, yeah. Yeah, I haven't uh, haven't looked back since then. Like, it, like I said to you, it's the first time I've smiled in about a year. Um, that's probably a little harsh. It wasn't a year's uh, worth of misery under Gerard, but it was definitely a a tough five six months anyway. Yeah, the world is your oyster now. Um, we're going to start off with Davos' winner, though. And your winner this week is Marco Silva, the Fulham manager. Davo, um, why is he your winner? That flying gaff, to be honest with you, and they've kind of crept up on me. I was just having a little uh, flick back through their fixtures and all that. They've only failed to score a one-league game, I think, from uh, the quick look I had mm. tonight. That was the worry when they were coming up, because Mitrovic, when they came up the last time, he struggled badly uh, for goals. And people were like, well, listen, it'll probably be the same again. And whatnot, but like I said, if he, he's I don't know how many goals Mitrovic got, but he, he must have four or five at least. Um, oh, easy, prob- say, yeah. Pr- yeah, probably more, probably six or seven. Um, like I said, they're, they're, they've only I think they've only failed to score a one league game. Um, they're on 18 points, like they're, they're well on their way to being over halfway, like safe. You know what I mean? For being safe now, the last three before the World Cup is. Everton, City and United, so mm. I don't know, they might not get much out of them three, but they've been absolutely flying, and just some of that's kind of creeped up, I was impressed with when Liverpool played them at the start of the season, albeit, I think on another day, Liverpool might have nicked it at the end, um, but just going forward, boys, just so impressive with the numbers of goals they're getting, and he, he plays it, he, I'm sure the Fulham fans after what Parker kind of served up there before, um, 
be very happy with kind of this style of playing. We think that flying kind of breath of fresh air type thing for the um, newly promoted team. And uh, like we'll talk Villa later on. The likes of Fulham have made Villa kind of have to have to move and make a change because do you know what I mean? Like that Fulham aren't going down or. Certainly, I'd be I'd be shocked at this stage now if they did. Yeah, because Fulham at the start of the season, like you're dead right. People thought going on past experience with Fulham in the Premier League, especially the last time they were in it. Mitrovic, I think, got two or three goals or something mm. really low. Um, the last time they came up and they went down. You know, they went down kind of. Com- I think it was comprehensive enough when they went down. Mm. Um, but you're right in what you say. Like they've come up. People expecting to go back down. Will they rely on Mitrovic? Mitrovic is getting goals, but there's goals coming from other areas. And you're dead right. The you know the teams. I don't know. Maybe going into the season like Everton, maybe Villa, maybe you know Southampton clubs like that. I'd be looking going. Well, look, Forest will probably go down. Fulham will probably go down. So once we keep our you know our, our head above water in some sort of way, there's only one real spot left there. But when you look at it now, like Leicester have started to win a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, Fulham are out of that. All right, Forrest are still down there, even though even with, with the result against Liverpool at the weekend. So, yeah, you're probably right. It is probably having a knock-on effect on other clubs going, oh, they're not fucking going. Mm. Now it's now it's probably two spots and we're getting closer. We're one, one, one step close to it because they're, they're up and running, you know, the sort of way. Um, Colin, when you look at Fulham and you look at Marco Silva, you know, he's at Everton, doesn't work for him. Does he go to Watford? I think he goes mm. to Watford then mm. as well. And it does and look, nothing works at Watford. Nothing works. Like you get six months at Watford, it's like you're like an intern and then they just give you a load of money and tell you to piss off. But he's come back he's come back with this Fulham side. They come up, you know, and you look at him there and like you said, eighteen points, you know, well more or less halfway to securing um Premier League football next season and it's a real turnaround for him isn't it for for the kind of reputation he had and then kind of lost in, in English football yeah I think actually though in fairness and maybe it was just me even at those jobs I think he always implemented something very quickly that made you think oh, like this boy's got an idea I know he's, he's, got, he's got a bit of something that you wouldn't mind your own team having and like we're absolutely bang on here talking about the other clubs looking on at them and like yeah, you're right saying they're looking on at them, realising now they're not going to get relegated. But I think it, it makes the other clubs a wee bit more impatient as well when they realise a team like Fulham can have nice things. Like, why can't we? Because I look at it from a Villa point of view where you're always you're, you're always wondering like how good is this squad really? Like, where is the season? But then when you see teams like Brighton, Brentford, Fulham, like, not only doing well in the league, but actually life seems worthwhile for them and then you mm. start wondering like we we should maybe look at that as well like we can have that with our squad yeah like you mentioned Brentford there they've come up they stay up last season they're they're dropping like a stone at a certain part last season and they, they managed to stay up and they've been alright this season you know what I mean they got hammered um, by Villa at the weekend but they've been alright um, this season and, and the likes of Brighton just progress all the time and it's it's just small but constant progression from these clubs Davo with Fulham though and Marco Silva like um, Dan Jay is right he thinks it was Watford then Everton you're probably right um, and he does implement stuff for Everton and but Everton fans you know yourself they'll just turn on you as soon as a few bad results mm-hmm. we don't care if we're playing nice football we're losing fuck off and he tell him and he's gone but Davo what's the next play for, for Marco Silva because even early in this alright say they take two points out of the next three games right before the, the World Cup, and they've 20 points after 12, 13 games, wherever it might be, right, 14 games. And they're looking going, we can be really safe. What's the next thing for Marco Silva? Does he does he look to strengthen in January and really push on, or does he just keep this going? I mean, they don't look for too much too early, because that's what happens to some clubs for me. Yeah, no, listen, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought there'd be a reason for them to go banging the door in like if they're on 8, 19 or 20 points going into the World Cup in January obviously there's, there's, there's obviously games after Christmas and stuff like that but I do, listen kind of play for Silva would be if if they stay up relatively comfortably I, I don't see why he wouldn't like to stay there maybe and try and do something for a couple of years Fulham have been kind of trigger happy as well, as it goes with the territory when you're kind of a yo-yo uh, team, but listen, I, I don't understand. I, I, I see no reason why he wouldn't like to maybe stay there and try to put something together over the next couple of years and kind of make them a kind of a, a Premier League team that's been in the league, the likes of Brentford maybe for a couple of years. And um, 
like establish themselves in the Premier League. Mm. That's what I, that, that's what I think the 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 aim should be there for him and for Fulham for both. Yeah, because when I think back to like the last time they were up, fair enough, that that's the way it went. But before that, Fulham were. A regular in the Premier League for mm. many years, you know what I mean. They might have went down at one stage, but they used they used to have like for me, if I remember right, good four or five years in the Premier League before they get into trouble. And I think the second time they got into trouble, the, their squad kind of went a bit stale for me. You know the sort of way, and they, they didn't. Not that they didn't invest, they didn't really do it great, and kind of felt aging to me. That they, and that's just in my head. They could have had an average age of twenty two, mm. and I just had this in my head. You know the sort of way, but. If they keep performing like this, you're going to have teams coming and saying, well, we like to look at him and we like to look at him. Even the likes of your Villa, your Brighton, your, even your Brentford's, wherever, a little bit more established in, in Brentford's case, where they'll have to fend this off and they, they will have to turn over players. And I think that's where it'll become big for Marco Silva, where, you know, he's got, he's up, he's doing well, but now what does he do in January? What's he doing this summer? We might lose one or two. Like, I can't believe no one's coming for Mitrovic. Like, when you see a team, especially, you know, a team that's struggling, when they were in the championship and a team is struggling in the Premier League, we, we can't score goals. Why if someone wasn't going in and going, there's 15 million for Mitrovic and he'll, try, he'll score goals to keep you up. I could never understand that, but they've kept them, but it might get to the stage where someone else goes. Oh, look, I would, say, I, would, I would say clubs were afraid after like, him coming up the last time and getting two or three goals. I know, listen, I know he scored 470 last year when they got promoted. At, like That was but, ridiculous. Th- yeah, but there's, like, there's, there's all, it's a bit mad with football. Like, if he'd never played in the Premier League before, he'd have been snapped up by someone. Mm. Because there's a bit of unknown there, like everything. It's a bit of unknown, like um, he'll score goals, will he score goals? Or I, I think managers think, now we'll get a tune out and he'll score goals. But because he's been in the lake and scored three goals or whatever the last time, teams are like, yeah, look, I know he's banging goals in the Championship, but he didn't deal with the last time in the Premier League. Whereas this time he's hit the ground running, he's flying. Maybe an injury to him might make the move in January or maybe trying to get a bit of backup for him. In January, because he's listen, without doubt, he's the main man. Um, he's the main man from the two lads in the middle. Have are getting good reports Pereira, and I can't think of the Portuguese lad. Kind of a hole in midfield, right? I can't his name. Polina, I can't think it? of his name. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Polina. I can't think of his name. Anyway, he's been he's been the reports being great in him. So yeah, look, they're they're flying. We flying. We we played them at the start of the season, Conan, and I thought they were very good. I thought Liverpool were poor. Um, but probably could have still won the game. You know, we, we, we conceded a sloppy goal and then we gave away a silly penalty. And, you know, they had a couple of chances, but Liverpool sh- probably should have won the game or edged it, even though they were poor. You've seen them recently, um, albeit in Gerrard's last game, um, managing Villa. And I'm not going to pretend here for a minute that Villa were any good in that game because they were beaten 3 0, I think it was. Um, but were you impressed by Fulham? Without looking at from a Villa side of thing, were you impressed by Fulham? Oh yeah, like I'm always impressed, you know, when a team beats a team that they that they should beat, and like Villa were a team there ready to be put out of their misery, really. And Fulham did it. Not they didn't do it really through Villa being shite. They just did it through their own their own methods. Like they kept the ball, they they get men forward. Like they work well as a as a unit. Like they they get back together, they get forward together. It's 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 obviously a really well coached team. Not to dwell on the Villa thing, but it was just in stark contrast to how Villa looked, and and they get the best out of their players as well. Like you know, Pereira is just you know, I don't know, rejuvenated is the right word, but like the way they're sort of central and everything around him in that attack, and yet somehow also doing that with Mitrovic, like it really shows a team that knows how to get the most out of their assets. And the the Mitrovic thing, like it it's so heartening. Yeah, I think I think Davo's right. When he was scoring all those goals in the championship, teams were probably like, yeah, but we, we've seen this before. Even though he was scoring goals at a rate that nobody had ever gotten near before in the championship. But every time we watched him play against Ireland for Serbia, it was like, yeah. it was like, no, this boy is actually really good. You're trying to explain to people how good the Serbia team is in because of the players they had around Mitrovic. He was also the main man up top. And like he was deadly. Like he wasn't only, like he has all the assets of, the most horrible Sunday league forward, like centre forward that you could like you regret coming up against, but also the real class in the Premier League as well. And he's um he's he's a top class striker and it's 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 actually just nice to see that you're not talking shit when he was dominating Ireland and throwing boys out of his way like ragdolls that he actually can do it up to that other level. Yeah, I, I think he can and 
maybe what was around him the last time didn't suit, but this time it seems the suit, but not only that, they're helping him. So he doesn't feel that much. Ma- I don't think he feels that yeah. massive pressure on him uh, that he would have the, the season before last or before the one before that. But there's, there's people chipping in with goals. They're giving him service. There's loads happening for Fulham. Um, but look, we've, we've spoken about Fulham and the last game of Steven Gerrard's reign at Aston Villa. So your loser of the week is that Steven Gerrard. Colin, but this isn't just a weekly thing. This is something that you've been banging on about for months um, <laughs> about just Gerard, just not the man for Aston Villa. He finally leaves the club on, was it Wednesday night? Thursday night. Thursday night. Um, he leaves the club on Thursday night. He's in the, is he in the job a year ish? Yeah, well, just under a year. He just got it in November. Um, and I think you were saying he picked up something like 30, it was a ridiculous amount of points in 38 games. And but he's gone. How bad was it, Con? Yeah, it was awful. Like, it really was. Like I really wanted, I really wanted it to work. Like I could see the value of having him. Like it was a. In fairness, Christian Purcell was taking a, a big beating now because obviously he's got that connection with Gerard and he he ripped up the script in terms of Dean Smith was there. They had built really solid foundations from the championship, and. It felt like they sort of took a sledgehammer to what they were doing then. Even the transfer strategy changed, the the wage bill changed. When Gerard came in, they were attracting different players. They they were going after older players, more experienced players. They brought in Gerard. In a way, you could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to get in a higher profile name. They were trying to get in someone young. And I was excited by what Gerard had did in Scotland. I know some people argue about that, but the reality was that Rangers weren't as good as Celtic. And not only did he manage to squeeze in there and get a title he went unbeaten like he and I don't care what league you're he in there he like, 10 in a row Colin and like he was under huge pressure to stop that 10 in a row yeah and like and actually was when, he took, when he took that Rangers job I thought what is he doing like there's no way you can win here like there's, there's so much expectation up at that club and I, I just thought there's no way that he could actually satisfy that expectation because because he was with Rangers with Celtic who were so far ahead of them at the time bigger transfer budget things just way further down the road and he yeah he, he bridged the gap back so look i'm not writing steven Gerrard's career off just yet but the time at villa and he'll probably learn and he's young enough from it but it was it was bad like the first six games were really good they won four they lost to city and liverpool and did well uh, and after that then like that was 12 points out of i think i can't remember what the stat was now he played 38 league games and it was 42 43 points he got in the end um, and it just got worse like they I think the only there was only six teams that they beat that were still in the Premier League. Like that, that's that's all he had gotten based on the teams he got relegated last year. They beat Norwich and they beat Burnley, and then outside that, it was only six other teams in the Premier League that they managed to beat in in the thirty eight games that he got. But it was just the lack of progression or imagination. He was very conservative. Like his, his only plan, and I can only imagine he was. He was just clouded by what he had at Rangers, where you are the top two teams in the league. So it was probably a bit easier in that it sets up very narrow, sets up defensively, and he just wants his fullbacks providing width. But when you're Rangers and your team is automatically way better than you know 95% of the teams you're going to come up against, that's a bit easier. But when you've got... Like, Matt Cash is a very good player, but he's not, going to, he's not just going to win a game for you at Premier League level. Neither look at Dean... And that seemed to be Gerard's strategy. Let's everybody keep tight, midfield, stay back, sort of hamper John McGinn and, and Jacob Ramsey a little bit. Although I don't know how you, how good John McGinn really is, and that's definitely uh, that's definitely um, that I'm, I'm judging that now based on the Stephen Gerrard reign. But it was just on the fullbacks. You go and try and do something, and we never saw anything different outside of that. Things got worse. He, he was loyal to a lot of players in the team who weren't performing. That's including McGinn, who'd started every game until uh, Sunday. Start, started every game this season. He gave him the captain's armband, which was strange because we knew going into the season that midfield was weak and we needed to needed to shake it up a little bit. But by giving him the armband, he had a he had a play him. And the way he dealt with the, the Tyrone Mings thing, I think he made a mistake and. People, every every Villa fan knows Tyrone Mings has got a mistake or, or five in him. You know, every so often. But Tyrone Mings is a good lad and he's, he's been a big presence there. He's been there from the championship days. He's got a lot of money in the bank and I think Gerard sort of went at him unnecessarily and you have that, you had that throughout then. So not only were the tactics and 
the mood around the place, they, they weren't good, they weren't positive. You then had him sniping in, in public, taking on players, some ex-pros and talk sport and the like, you know, like that because they think that's what the players need. I saw someone saying that, like, say, the players threw him under the bus and Douglas Louise let him down. I think that was a good example on Thursday night where he came straight out afterwards and and basically said Douglas Louise was stupid for doing what he did. Douglas Louise didn't do anything. He got off. He was supposed to be suspended and that red card got overturned. Yeah. But Gerard immediately just sort of was happy to, to go at him and we never saw any imagination. He didn't try anything different. He, it was waged to that system that so clearly wasn't working. And then he just, his, his disposition was just too negative. Like even right up to that Fulham game, he dropped Matt Cash. And this was a real strange thing considering how he, he, he said his fullbacks are so important. He dropped Matt Cash and brought on Jan Bednarek because he wanted an extra centre back there to cope with Mitrovic. And you were just getting that feeling that was happening anyway. And then when you saw it playing his day and you heard about it afterwards, that all he was worried about was what the opposition were going to do. And that explained so much then. Like Villa were the worst time wasters in the league then as well. They were doing it in the first half against Fulham when they were drawn. And I can only imagine like what the players are thinking about that as you're going along and you're giving them instructions to <clears throat> time waste away at Fulham because, because you're worried you're going to lose. Um, Davo, look, Gerard. You know, this is a Liverpool channel, so like, you know, you'll have a lot of people that, like, I think Gerard's just a fucking unbelievable player for Liverpool, and, and there's no denying that. But I spoke to Conan about this when when Liverpool, when he was appointed at Aston Villa, and I was kind of saying to Conan at the time, I think it's too early for him. Yeah, you know? he did. Right, and what, what I meant, what I meant by it was, is that he went up the Rangers. It was a surprise, but the big thing for me when he went to Rangers was he walked into that club and he said, "These are the standards. If you don't meet them, I'm not here." All right. And Rangers were, because Rangers were a mess, right? When he went up there. And he went in and he just told them, if you don't do it right, there's no point in doing it. And I don't want to be part of it. And they start doing things right. And you see what came with it, right? And I kept saying, he needs to stay away from England for his next job. He needs to stay away because Gerard is a big thinker. And I think, you know, he thinks an awful lot about the game. And he, you know, I think he lets stuff affect him, you know. And I, I, I would love him to see him to go on to somewhere on the continent to do a year or two. And then you could argue he could come back and look at the Liverpool job if he was successful, right? I don't think he's anywhere near the Liverpool job. And I, for one, have said it openly. I don't really want him anywhere near it. But, David, was it too early to go from the, the Scottish Premier League straight into a Premier League club that, let's be fair, are a huge Premier League club, right? The huge stadium, the huge fan base, the mm. huge history, the European Cups. Was it too much too early, Davo? Because I, I genuinely think it was. And I said this to Conan at the time, it's too early for him. Yeah, look, Hoyne, so look, you you said at the start, right, that's fair enough. But I, th- I think for the likes of Gerard and all that, I don't really think they want to go to the continent. I don't really think they need, I don't think that they think they need to go. You have to look, likes of the looks, look at Potter there that, that's at Chelsea now. He ended up, some coaching job, some college job, then gets a job that works his way up from the fourth division in Sweden or whatever. Yeah. On the continent that comes back, excellent coach and all that. When the likes of Gerard and all these boys, Lampard and all, they're not going to go to the continent, Gaff. Once, like, he, he went, he went to Rangers and like that, I was like, you openly, I don't want Gerard near the Liverpool job. But I, I watched an awful lot of Rangers when he was there because I wanted to have a look and see what they yeah. were like. And counting the spot on, they were, it was like 4 3 3, but it was like, it was like four three three with Rafa Benitez managing. Everything was just defence for I think they I think they'd something stupid like they can see the two goals in the first eleven or twelve league games in the season that they, they won the league. It was something mental like that yeah. where they, they could they weren't conceding goals. And Conan's right when you're the top two teams in the league, they tend to own the ball anyway. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And all that. So I just watched it was kind of, it's not great to watch. But listen, 
he went up there and in fairness a lot like people don't realise he would have been under massive pressure to stop that 10 in a row because it's never been done before and Rangers like they'd have imploded again I'd say if that had happened but like you 100% agree two of my best mates are Villa fans massive club and they were the same as Colin and wanted it to work coming down I listen hindsight would tell you it probably was too early for them but I think if, if you asked him if, if he was on the show here and you asked him would you do it again he'd tell you yeah he wouldn't say oh no I, I, oh no he absolutely I, packs I, himself I, I, yeah I, 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 I should have gone to the continent or should have gone like that no I just think he comes down he just he made he made some fatal flaws I, I, honest to God the Tyrone Ming stuff was some of the worst man management I think I've ever seen I, I just I, I don't know what he was playing at take the captaincy off him do whatever you want you come out in the press and you say to a player has to look at you in the eye like a man and tell you he's ready to play again. Like they don't tilt. That was it. They like they, they they subconsciously or consciously, I'm not saying that there was murder in the dressing room all the time and it was toxic, but subconsciously, with that kind of stuff to me, the tills went down. And when that happens, you're you're a dead man walking. Conan, when he goes to Rangers, you know, it's Steven Gerrard, he's a he's a massive name. Um he's well known throughout his career for having like ridiculously high standards, right? And although Rangers aren't at the standard of Premier League, their expe- their expectancy um, mm. or their expectation going into a league season, like Davos said, to stop a 10 in a row from Celtic, which would have just been probably the end of Rangers, um, you know, kind of married into what he wanted, you know, the sort of way. So he wants these massive levels. They're willing to, although they're not the standard of player, they're willing to, you know, massively respect Steven Gerrard and put all this effort in and go all in with him because there's, there's a massive target over here that they have to stop, right? And that suits him. How much did it not suit when he comes to Villa where his left... Like, I get the feeling Gerrard walks in and he expects to win every single game, right? That's his level. That's his level. He wants to win every single game. Now, it doesn't show later on in his Villa career or the, the later on in the year that he's there. But how much does he come in and he's like, well, we have to do this, and the players are looking going, we can't do that. Like, And that's not down to the player's ability. I think it's down to, look, we're a huge club, but we're probably 10th, 11th in the Premier League here, and you're looking for these standards that we're going to be top four. Did that kind of go against him? Did, did he hit a roadblock very early on and what his levels and expectancy is, and he didn't shift him enough to where Villa are at the moment? I, I, I think it went against him in my opinion, so much as I, I think you're right that he that's what he wanted and probably demanded, but he didn't know how to get them there or help them to get there. And it's something that I was always, I'm always sort of worried about or paranoid about, about some of the best, like Jared's one of the best players I've ever seen play. And I always said it was like my guilty pleasure, you know, when he was, when he was in his pomp at Liverpool. And I, it's, it's one of those fears that you always have about Roy Keane as well. Like, will they be able to, will they be able to, get a player to do what they did or is it just it was just so simple to them and so innate to them and instinctive to them that like and and you started hearing that more and more then Villa missed a few chances and the stats the stats bear out in the end they didn't like they didn't have as many chances as Gerard thought they had now they did have big chances they should have scored sometimes but Mm. after every game it was always just like I need more magic I need more quality it's never like it very much felt like he didn't realise that was part of his job to create chances and get players into positions. It was always just like, I'll look after the structure at the back and I need boys to to win the game for me. The way he would have did, the way Fernando Torres would have did under the Benitez system. We'll keep it tight and we'll let the let the real top players do it. And I assume, because I didn't see a lot of them, but I assume that was easier to do at Rangers as well. Again, when you're one of the top dogs in the league, you are going to have players who are better quality. So, if you set them up in a way that they're not going to lose a lot of the time, then that quality is going to shine through. And I, I think, I think Gerard coming in with those expectations probably wore thin very quickly. Yeah. Like he heard players at the start talking about the demands and how things have changed. And even like little things like the diet and simple things that, that good pros can implement. And you're always, as a fan, you're always happy to hear that because like, that's what you want. You want the standards to be at, at the highest point, but once the going gets tough and, and once you're once you're through that initial burst, you need to have a bit of substance then to back it all up. And I just don't think he had it. I don't think the the coaching was there. Obviously he lost McBeal, which was probably a 
a big blow for him as well, although they weren't doing particularly well when Mick Beale was there. But like that's obviously going to be a, a hammer blow for somebody who got three work beside at Liverpool and then Rangers and, and then Villa. But I come back to it, the I thought the Villa job was was way easier than, than Gerard made it look. Like I thought there was a lot of low hanging fruit because as good as Dean Smith had done, it had it had just sort of gone a bit stale. This tra- trajectory went down a little bit and it was in need of enthusiasm and a fresh injection and new ideas and I just think Gerard messed up the the solid foundations that were there and it made the job look a bit clunkier and made the place look toxic and, and so much so and I'm so surprised the Villa were not able to sign or, or, or hire Emery but it seemed like I don't know who we're going to get now because everybody's looking at that job thinking that's a that's a basket case of a club and I don't think it was a year ago. I thought it was a, a really attractive job and I thought I, it was a I really thought so too. Job. I thought so yeah. too. I thought <clears throat> they spend a hell of a lot of money when they come up. But then when you see them you know, they take a Tina win, which okay, oh, you could argue over. But bad yeah, maybe so and maybe rocks a boat in, in the dressing room. But when you see they get um the midfielder on don't they get him from free from Marseille, was he was Kamara, is it? Yeah, yeah and he was highly rated. Injured. Yeah, mm. but you're bringing him in, you're saying, All right, he's making good good signings here. He he gets some he's he's unfortunate with the centre half he signs that does his is it as crucial he does. Yeah, he does Achilles, his, um, Achilles, 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 it kind of, it kind of looked to me like it was kind of grinding on Gerard. It was great. The, the alarm, the like the alarm bell should have been going, Gav. When like bring the likes of Coutinho in, right? That's Grant. But trying to like pigeonhole him, or trying to like ram him into a four-three-three, then trying Bendia, then not knowing can uh, Watkins and Wings are uh, what Wings can Ings and Watkins not play together. Uh, trying, uh, trying to force them into ten. Like if he decided Coutinho change the formation. To a four two three one or to whatever, and said, "Right, this is what I had in mind. I want to get Coutinho and Bendy in. I, I think I can do it this way, Grant. But to keep the formation the same, and just try and pigeonhole these players into positions, and just hope that Louis Conan said, hope that if we can keep it, if we can keep it tight at the back, these fellas should win the game for us. It's just, it's just mad. The alarm bell should have been going then, and as well as kind of the regression of fellas. Like two years ago, Gav, you would have heard me and Shani last night about Conza." Going, listen, I oh, take player, this yeah. fella. I, like two years ago, this fella is really, really, really good. He's absolutely fallen off a cliff, I think, in the last year, maybe. The same with Matt Cash, any time I've seen him, maybe a year, 18 months ago, I thought, geez, that's a, that's a, that's a really good right, right fall. The, these fellas have kind of regressed, like, badly. Like, and you're kind of, yeah, like, Conan says, that's on the manager, that's on the coach, and yeah, like, that's your job. You have to make players better. And if he's not doing it, you're gonna fall in your sword. Simple as that. Yeah. I, I ironically, I don't think there's one player who the the only player who I think got better, and I'm serious, is Tyrone Mings under Gerard. Like he he was actually it's funny his his captaincy being stripped came at the time where Mings actually had his most consistent patch, probably the last six games of the season. But um, and he did all right this season as well. But everybody else, the keeper. Like way worse levels are off. Conza, don't, don't talk to me about him, Conan. I one hundred percent believe we'd have won the league last year if he played that last game against City. But he yeah, wanted to play that fucking friendly for Argentina a week later or something. The shy bag, and then Robin Olsen was playing, and that was the fucking end of it. Robin Olsen, good yeah. luck. But everybody, everybody's going backwards, and then, and then on Sunday we we actually go to the four two three one, and it's just nice because <laughs> everybody's been crying out for it. Can we not just try it? And it's nice to see that you're not you're not absolutely crazy when they do try it. It actually it actually works out, and everybody's in natural positions. Where, where does he go now? Because you know he's been up at Rangers. He's come down to Villa. Um, hasn't worked. Whether that's down to him, players. Whatever it might be, I'm sure Gerard has his side of things with regards to the club or the players or the staff or whatever it might be, and the players will have theirs and the owners, whatever. The, everyone will have a story, right? But at the end of the day, Gerard is no longer Villa manager, right? But 
Davo, where do you think he goes? What does he do now? Does he take time out? Because I still think he could nearly write off this Villa thing if he goes off and manages on the continent. And, and the reason I say that is that he gains more experience away from every single move he makes being like under a microscope, right? He learns new new stuff under, you know, in a new country, new new coaching, wherever it might be. Because you've seen, you've seen managers before go off and learn their trade and go off to different countries, come back and they're, really, they're good in England and stuff like that. Or does he just wait? Because you know yourself, that will, yeah. you know, turn, turn, the turn, next page, double, yeah, turn the next exactly. page in the newspaper and there's an ad there, the Premier League man, team need a manager. Listen, I think you're right. As regards for his career, probably going off to the continent and managing somewhere, um, it would always be limelight with Gerard, but it would declare of what he's been under is probably would probably be a good move, but I'd, I'd be I'd be absolutely shocked if that's what that's what happened next. I think he probably sits tight for a little while. Uh, Rangers fans are screaming for Van Bronckhorst to be sacked. Could he end up back there? Possibly, but I'm not sure. Rarely works, doesn't it? When have you Wolves appointed a manager? Wolves haven't appointed a manager yet. They said he's sitting tight until um, they said this fellow will be in charge till 2023. That's that's, 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 okay, that's, so uh, that's all they've said. Yeah, that's yeah. all they've said. And other than that, I could kind of see like a, one of the Championship size that are a big kind of a big championship club that's not going for um maybe going in but like you, you mentioned Wolves there that's West Brom and that and the championship and all that they're all kind of Midlands clubs that be viewed as Villa rivals will that matter I don't think that 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 it really would but listen I, I think he'll I think he probably said I think he probably said toy I don't think he'll do it until till till after Christmas or the New Year and then if if something comes up. You could see him there, but I, I, listen. I do. I think he'll stay in Britain. I, I, I would be surprised if he was if he was goes anywhere else. Yeah, because the Wolves job is still open there. And Dan Jay makes is an interesting one. He says Leeds. They had an eye on him when he was at Rangers. Leeds did have a big eye on Gerrard at the time mm. when he was at Rangers. Now Leeds are. Deutsch is the rumor there, though, for them. Deutsch is the rumor there. They've already um, spoken to him. Yeah, because Jesse Marsh. I don't know why Leeds ever done that, but that's just the way it is. Um, Conan. You've seen him, you know, you've watched him up close for the last year. What do you think he needs to do? I, I think he needs to, is the first thing he needs to do is take a, a break. And I don't just mean, you know, rest up and whatever else. And he could probably do that because he did probably get involved. Just He probably got, got too into it. Like somebody saying there, he's quite serious. And I know that's the way he is anyway, mm. but just got so consumed with how shit the players were really <laughs> like you know and once he steps out of that now he might take a breather and think right like what did I do wrong there what could I have done more and I think I, like I, I don't think he'll I don't think it's impossible that he get another job at that level I think it, it, it will like we're talking about Wolves Leeds if Frank Lampard can fall back down to the Everton job like I think I think he will it's realistic that he will get a job around there again if he wants to go back under the microscope as you're talking about Gav the first thing I think he needs to take a break you know one of those years or two where these managers just go and just go to a few other training sessions and yeah go they just do a tour of the world watching training yeah. sessions and set up yeah yeah because it seems like and isn't it ironic that the, the, the manager who probably had the biggest back and forward with or probably the most cold relationship with Benitez it seems like he's just so it's so influenced by him he like learned the most off him yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's that. That's funny, you know, considering the the player he's probably frustrated to his role sometimes in that in that system. But deep down, he probably appreciated what what Benitez did for him and and Liverpool. But he needs to just be influenced by other people now as well. And he's he's gone straight into to Liverpool and worked up quickly there. You know, from from the underage system, and then went to Rangers and went to Villa. And he could probably just do with just yeah just seeing what's out there and chatting to other people and seeing how they're doing it and going to games and looking at it through just a pure coaching eye rather than just a villa eye and what player can I sign? Like there, There's an example there of uh, after the Arsenal match, the Villa lost this season, Gerard FaceTimed Leander Dundonker on the bus and begged him to come join Villa. And in a way, like that's that's great. It, it shows that the sort of pulling power that he had that he was able to attract these players. But also, it's it's not a great transfer strategy, is it? I, I've lost a game. I better go fucking get a player here. It's mm. like, you know, where's the where's the long term joined up thinking? And then yeah. the ironic thing is, he never started in Donker, even when he's defensive. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that as well. <laughs> it's it's 
you know, when I, when I think about it, like, oh, I still think going away and, and doing something like that, maybe a break. But, but in the league, like, oh, does he become a hard fit for clubs? And and that's where I, I'd be thinking, does he become, because, look, clubs watch this stuff. They watch how he, you know, deals with Tyrone Mings, the players he brings in, the results he's getting, the style of football he's playing. Um, You've mentioned earlier, Colin, that, you know, a little bit, um, you know, he just stuck in his ways a little bit when it came to playing and not being able to adapt and stuff like that. Another close will look at that. Maybe a longer term project. And I mean, I mean something from a lower base that they're looking to get somewhere. You know, you have clubs in the Premier League that, you know, they're there and they finish 15th every season and they're fucking delighted with themselves. And that's, that's the lot. Whereas you get a team that might finish 14, but they want to keep progressing and, and go up the likes of maybe a Brentford maybe even a, a Brighton are a bit higher but you know a Brighton no Brighton have a manager but something in that style maybe something like that suits him where the, he's told up front listen this is where we are this is where we want to get to but we're not going to be able to go out and sign you a player that you think is amazing and send him a field we're going to have to sign a fella two rungs down from that you might be able to progress him and if we progress we might be able to get the next rung up and eventually we get you that player if things progress maybe that's something but I think it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what what happens with Gerard. You might not see him in the game because it's a World Cup and stuff like that. So that's a couple of months out anyway. But it'll be interesting to watch and see where he goes. I wish him all the best because he's Stephen Gerrard. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, let's move on. Uh, Davo, you want to talk Joe Gomez or Fabinho? You weren't too sure, but look, one you can have a go about. Listen, look. <laughs> After that result, you could have picked any of them bar Harvey Elliott and Allison. I, I think, could have been yeah. on the end. But Robertson wasn't too bad either. Just, it's more a worry rather than anything else with Fabinho. I do, I do think he's the kind of loser of the weekend, but it's been it's been coming for a while. He's he's not the player that we're kind of accustomed to. Kind of, what the Pep Linders call him, the lighthouse, just winning his battles and well able to play himself but winning his battles and getting the ball to the fellas uh, getting the ball to the fellas who make the magic happen he's kind of he was never quick but he's running around now like he's a, he's a piano on his back I had a quick look there last year I actually thought he missed more games according to the transfer market he only missed three games last year but he, he, he always struck me kind of the opposite to Matip Matip had missed games and he come back in, Matip, and I was like, he never missed, he, he never, he, do, he never misses a beat, Matip, when he comes back in after, I think, after an injury. Fabinho takes an awful lot of time to get back up to speed. Um, so it's like, it's, it's obviously miles in the tank and he's struggling badly. And I hope it's not the case, but more and more I look at it, I think that his legs could be gone and it could be kind of the end of him that kind of way. Um, and with Gomez, look, at, like he done great to battle back from that awful injury with England. But this cracker having a good game and then two bad ones, this kind of rhythm he gets into. Like he was excellent against City. Gave gave away a penalty during the week. Not really. Listen, I was meant to go to the game on Wednesday. Floyd never took off. Clatter a point in the airport. Back to the local. I was looking at the game out through one eye. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what his overall performance was like, but. Uh, Gave away, gave away a penalty from a sloppy bit of play, and then the weekend he was absolutely horrendous in possession and over. Um, mistake, obviously, very bad mistake given the way the goal or given away free kick that leads to the goal. He, like, like after the city game, all the talk was about the World Cup. Like, on that performance the weekend, you wouldn't have him anywhere near the World Cup squad, so it's more. Well, there's oh, 55 of them going up. Well, probably. 55 going, yeah. We might get a phone call ourselves. <laughs> For fuck's sake. But, like, it, like, it's just kind of two different things. I don't think, like, I don't think Gomez's legs are gone, kind of, I want of a better word the way Fabinho is, but he just needs to stop these brain farts that are just fucking killing us over and over and over again. It's one good game, two bad ones. And... A really, really, really. I haven't got. I haven't. Been, I haven't had the stomach after. I didn't listen to you last night. I probably listened to it in the morning. I, I don't want to consume any kind of football media at the minute because I, I was fuming after that the weekend. Like to lose to the bottom team and just so like bar set pieces. Now we should have had probably three or four goals yeah. from set pieces, but bar set pieces we didn't create, it and it was a, it was a real, real fucking go punch the weekend. Result lucky enough wasn't too much damage as regards all above us. 
I think if you could have even picked the results on Saturday night, you'd have probably picked a draw between Chelsea and United. Spurs get beat, Arsenal drop points, City are going absolutely fucking trounce the league anyway, so forget about them. So yeah, look, a bit of a rant there. Don't really like it's more more a rant of the week than a loser of the week, really. There, but yeah, Fabinho and Gomez, a lot of worries going forward for me. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Colin in a minute because it's it's good to have people from the outside looking at things, and he's probably not watched as much detail as we have, obviously. But it's good to have it in. But just on Gomez, right? Thought he was great against Man City. Um, and he's good, done well when he's come in this season. He's come in a right back, I think, once or twice, and he's done. He's done absolutely mm. fine. He gets Agreed, a great yeah. assist for um, for me, no, yeah, Rangers are playing it right yeah. back. But at the weekend, like he gives away that free kick because he's just decided to switch off. You know, I'll just switch off here and whatever. And that's 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 because the, the team are doing it for me. You know, I said it last night on the show that you didn't listen to but you might do in the morning I will in the morning <laughs> but it, it it bleeds through a team and Liverpool were at this at this yesterday or Saturday where everything was slow ponderous you know on the ball bar a, her, a good Harvey Elliott ball over the back for Carvalho where he probably should have hit a fourth time Liverpool looked very ponderous on it and Gomez got affected by that for me and ultimately led to the free kick that we, we can see it from I don't think Virgil van Dijk's doing him any favours beside him um, because when they played together, Gomez used to be the one that would go and be aggressive and Ver- van Dijk would hang off and say, look, if it goes beyond Gomez, I'll sweep this up all day where as they both look like that, both standing off or they both move up and it looks a bit all over the place for me. Gomez, look, I, I agree with that rhythm where, you know, oh, he plays one good, good game. He gives away a stupid penalty during the week. Like, there's no need for it. Mm. And he gives away that free kick. And, and that happens. That does happen. Um, I'm not into this saying he's still young. He's not. He's 24. He's at Liverpool since he's fucking 17. So he knows what he's playing Premier League football since he's 17. So I don't really go along with that. Um, but I don't think he's the biggest issue in the team. And that brings me on to Fabinho, where... That, like Dan Jay says, he's lost his father last year. He's now expecting his fourth child. Uh, long draining season last season. It could be an emotional thing. Confidence looks shot. His legs look gone for me. And not only that, he looks very indecisive as to where he's to be and when he's to be there. Whereas when he was in the midfield, where he knew two lads were in front of him walking and he just fill in gaps, cut off passing lanes. He was He's unbelievable at it. But now I'm looking at him, he's a different partner every week. He's in a different formation. He, you know, and I said, again, I said it last night, we don't have a midfielder that can play three games in a week. So he's mm. going in with different players all the time. He's going in with players that are running on 50% of the tank sometimes. And it actually starts to throw the spotlight more on Fabinho. He needs a break, but he has he can't get one. Because the two fellas that he's meant to be rotating with, one of the near infection, right? And one of them was on the bench. Apparently he had a knock. But again, we're left with, unfortunately for Fabinho, he's probably the only, what I would consider, f- Fourth team defensive midfield that we have in real terms, so that's where it's hurting him. I'm not listen. I don't think he's being good. I can see reasons why he hasn't been good, but we're in a business here where it has to change. And if it doesn't change, you have to. You're gonna have to make. You're gonna have to do something mm-hmm. because this can't continue. Um, it'll be inter- I, I think it'd be really interesting with Fabinho, um, especially when we when we get through these series of games, wherever we end up before the World Cup. It'll be interesting to see when he comes back from the World Cup. What he's like. Could a breakaway from Liverpool do him good? He, he won't, won't play. pick a ball. The he won't, he won't, he won't play an awful lot in the World Cup anyway. Because anyway. he picked Fred and um, mm. Casemiro, don't he? Mm. Um, yeah. So we be interested to see with him. With Gomez, I'd probably, like to, I'd probably like to see a couple of games from him as well where you get him properly up to speed at centre-half. Um, and that's not making an excuse. I think properly getting him up to speed and, and having a bigger sample size. I know in those three games, it's two negative, one positive. A bigger sample size where you can go, no, this just isn't working. And look, we're looking at centre half coming back anyway. But Conan, you know, Liverpool haven't been good this season. Um, there's a lot being made of our right back, <coughs> our centre backs, our, our midfield in particular. When you look at Liverpool, do you think it's something where they look drained? They they look like they're ageing, slowing down, need a change, need a bit of luck. What where do where do you come what angle do you come from with this? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, I remember when Ancelotti, after the Champions League final, said something like, you know, well, we knew how Liverpool were going to play. Um, and I, I was always, not not telling, because I think everybody knew how Liverpool were going to play anyway, but I just wonder, eventually, did people start figuring out a better way to try and counteract it? Or maybe it was just a case of Liverpool's legs and verve and money you know, just going and then just losing that little bit of a little bit of an age because everybody knew the setup everybody knew what the report brings to the table but they couldn't stop it and that was the the beauty of it in a way and then the Fabinho thing like uh, how often have I mentioned him on here you know as a as a Villa fan I always talked about we need our Fabinho like that's that's what we were always crying out for and he was the player I always looked on at with envy and he yeah yeah he just looks like, and I know there's all all circumstances and stuff like that, but he, he looks like he can't he can't run as well. And I don't know, like it's strange that that that's happened in the space of a year. Like I don't know if there's an underlying injury or something there, but he just doesn't look able to move around the pitch as well as he can. And that was obviously so pivotal then to how Liverpool wanted to play. And in terms of the fullbacks, you know, having that midfield structure. Robertson's obviously gone back a little bit then as well, which doesn't help. Um, and it doesn't help the right back, as you mentioned too, when that sort of structure's falling around him. So it just seemed like a perfect storm of of, of a lot of bad stuff happening or a lot, a lot of stuff declining at the one time um, and players aging at the same time. So I don't know. At the minute, the way I see it is that they're... <laughs> I, I think they actually have a bit of a conundrum in that... You see the Man City game, and they were trying it a few times before that. Salah having Firmino coming off him, and you were getting Salah more central because I was getting annoyed even for you watching some of the games at the start of the season where I thought Salah was just far too wide. And I know, I know that the tactic is pushing Trent up and getting him in field and, and, and higher up, but I don't think that should have been at the expense of Salah either. Like they should look at a way of maybe incorporating that for both of them. But there's no good having Trent in a position. So you can have Salah not involved as as much as you want them to be or as centrally as you want them to be. So they, they seem to figure that out. But then they also look way better with Darwin Nunes. And then to play Darwin Nunes, then they have to move Salah back out again. So uh, if there's a way, if I was if I was Jurgen Klopp, and this is very simple, and I know it's not a formations game, but I would love to just figure out a way of getting those two beside each other. I think the way they did it at Fulham when Darwin Nunes came on, and probably a bit in the community shield as well, just having them working off each other a bit more and not having your main dangerous players shunted out to the wing so you can bring in Darwin Nunes. Mm. It, it's it's going to be interesting, and, and we spoke a lot last night about where Liverpool are, where they need to get to, r- results they have to get, and it's going to be a big, I think they've, I think they've seven games left um, before we go off to the World Cup, and it's going to be a big seven games and different, well, if they win um, Wednesday night, the, the Champions League stuff is sorted so that's kind of a dead rubber in one of them and they have a league cup game against Derby and then I think it's four um, league games before we go off to the World Cup and it's going to be interesting to see not only can the players pick it up are we going to continue to see what we're seeing um, and then of course it's going to get to the, the January transfer window and it might, it might be a case of um, it might be a case of having to do something and, and start replacing a few but we'll, we'll have to wait and see um, we're going to finish up on Unai Emery um, Unai Emery is the new Aston Villa manager um, I think he's a very likeable bloke um, I think he was a bit harshly treated at Arsenal um, he was at Villarreal um, does he win the Europa League against United with them? yeah, he does. yeah. He's, won a four, he's won a four times ah listen it's, it's literally yeah. his he's only loaning it away mm-hmm. at this stage yeah. I'd say um, but I'm going to leave Conor for a minute Davo he wanted another crack in the Premier League. You were saying to us before you thought he may have torn down Newcastle. Yeah, I think uh, I think the word was he torn down Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. So fill a bigger club anyway. Though. Good appointment. Oh yeah, yeah. Jesus, absolutely. From listen, it's all the usual stuff, wasn't it? Sean Dyche uh, got thrown out. Pochettino, um, Pochettino torn it down. Saying Vincent Company linked probably a little bit early for him, um, but he's doing a great job at Burnley. And I, I, kind of early on, I don't know about Conor, but kind of early on, I, I didn't see Emery linked anywhere with the job. And then all of a sudden, it was kind of like, 
I think it was maybe today, was it? Listen, buying yeah. uh, Villa, uh, it seems to be Emery's uh, the one, uh, Villa approach Villa, uh, Villa Real, and it's up to him now. So, yeah, listen, I think I think it's a great appointment. I think he's a winner. Um, he'll want another crack in the Premier League. I'm not, listen, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, kind of style-wise. I think Villa Real, he's been defensive at times rather than kind of playing expansive stuff but I think that could be kind of uh, horses for courses and and going into Villa with the standard of player that they have there and standard of attacking player I think he might open up a little bit but listen I'm open to correction on that anyway I I haven't watched Villarreal really at all since he's been there but listen look if Villa ever qualify for the Europa League when he's there you might as well book the flight to that final because <laughs> they're, they're going to win it he's out there winning for harder than he's a he's joke there, isn't I, he? I, I, th- I think he, he won the French League didn't he I think he did yeah. win the French League with PSG um, and Pochettino didn't do that so um, yeah look I think it's I think it's a great appointment and it's a it's a great appointment it, and, it's, and he's a big name it's not something like he—he he, he is a big name. He's—he's he's well known. Like he's—he's he's European oh, he's plenty pedigree. Of trophies, plenty of yeah, yeah plenty, plenty of, of trophies, pl- plenty of pedigree, uh, plenty of experience. And like Conan said, uh, actually before we came on, he likes the fact he's kind of a point to prove. So, mm. um, yeah, listen, I think Villa, especially, and listen, World Cup might be actually a blessing for Villa now. He gets in there and gets four, five, six weeks. Um, on the train, a pitch with him when when uh, I'm not too sure how many Villa have gone, but um, he'll he'll certainly get a lot of time to train a pitch with him as well. So yeah, listen, great appointment. Torres has great appointment for Villa. No hard feelings. Glad Villa didn't go for Allardyce or Deutsch. Still think some players down hills a bit. Thinking and he thinks Everton could sleepwalk back into the bottom three. Mike says, I know Colin is probably very busy, but would love to see him on more often. Great show, as he is very busy. He's so fucking hard to get hold of. But <laughs> honestly, I, he's, I think it's going to get to the stage where like a receptionist is going to pick up the phone the next yeah. time I ring. He's that fucking busy. Um, but Colin, look, we've, we've spoken in depth about Gerard. Unai Emery comes in with a lot of pedigree. You know, we talk about those Europa leagues. He's won, he's won a French league. He's really, I think he was harshly treated by Arsenal. Um, because like Arteta comes into Arsenal and has a worse record than Unai Emery over his first I think it was year or 14 months and people are like why is Arteta getting all this and Emery didn't and you know you could argue that if Unai Emery had stayed at Arsenal beyond he might have progressed like Arsenal are looking to or look or kind of have under um, Arteta in the last six months anyway but he comes in there I think he's a flexible manager. I think he can play. I think he can work with the players that are there. I don't think he. I don't think he'd be the type that'll go out and go. I need seven players. You know, the sort of way he'd be able to adapt stuff. And he, he's a big pull, Colin. He's a big pull if you if you are looking for players. Um, he has so much behind him. It's nothing but a good, a good appointment, is it? Oh, I, I don't think so. Um, can I just say, like, I, I'm not that busy. I just wait for Villa to win games. And, and oh, well, that's like, what it is. Yeah, because the last time you, I think the last so time I rang you, Villa were losing, and you did say something like, "I'm on a boat." And then, <laughs> and then I was like, "Are you off the boat?" Oh, yeah, but I, I got off the boat and I got straight on a plane. I went somewhere else, and I was like, "I think this fucker's lying to me." No, but, I actually went did go away for a month there, but uh, it's yeah. the one time I've ever gone away, and I've got you picking up me. But no, it's it's a massive like again. It's all relative as well. Like, like, I know Villa is a huge club, big history, but the last eleven years have been great. And you, like, you go back to when Martin O'Neill got appointed, two thousand six, maybe, and and the buzz that was around the place, you know, when when that happened, because you were bringing in somebody with a bit of pedigree and who'd won stuff and he'd proven that he could he could do it at different clubs. Gerard Hulier came in and all, afterwards, and obviously it didn't pan out because he got sick. But then since then, like I think it was Alex McLeish after that. I think it was Paul Lambert, Tim Sherwood, Remy Gard, Roberto Di Matteo, Steve Bruce. You know, then Dean Smith comes in, does well, like, but he's coming up from Brentford, and then plays him with Steven Gerrard. Like we haven't we haven't had a manager with this pool or with this caliber in a long time. And when this job became available, immediately in my head, I, I sort of had a little short list of like you know first priority second priority and third I think the first for me was Pochettino and I sort of knew that wasn't going to happen but I just wanted them to try anyway like why not just test the water give them you know try and give them an incentive put a big paycheck in front of them or whatever and you could build something there 
Um, and I had Emery genuinely second. I was like, I, I would, I would absolutely love Emery to come in because you're right, he's adaptable. He's won four Europa leagues. He, the Arsenal, I, I know the Arsenal fans probably don't want to admit as much now, but you know the way like David Moyes, I mean, David Moyes didn't do well at United, but I think history is a bit kinder on him now because of what he mm-hmm. was left with and and what happened afterwards. And I think that's the same with United Emery. Like he. The facts are he did better than Arsene Wenger's last season. Got into Europa League final, came fifth, um, and it, you know he seemed to be hounded out because he was polite. You know that that's that that didn't seem to be his biggest mistake at Arsenal, and he, he just left there very early and went on did another good job somewhere else. And you know, maybe maybe that's a good lesson for Steven Gerrard as well. Like yeah, you make a mistake somewhere and you can just bounce back and and get another job that's more fitting. Gone on to Villarreal, won the Europa League with them, got in the Champions League semi final. This is a serious manager, like, and we haven't had that since over eleven years ago. Now, since Willie mm-hmm. came in, so I think it's very exciting. Thomas Frank would have been third on my list, but well, that, you know, Laszlo, Laszlo has a question there. He said, "Do you think Villa went and looked at Thomas Frank before going for Emery?" Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that. I, I don't know. I'm not just saying it, but I, I would have preferred Emery. I, I would have tried to get Emery first, and I think. I think after they've tried Steven Gerrard, and I saw somebody there suggest like, when are Villa fans going to, you know, look at Perslow? And trust me, they are. Like everybody sort of is wearing a bit thin with a lot of people now, and I think it's his ego that's that's getting in the way, which is his want, I suppose. But um, I think not that he would have been overruled, but I definitely think the the people above him would have said we we need to get serious here now like you told us we were getting serious when we got rid of dean smith mm-hmm. and we took a punt on somebody who just wasn't ready for this job so we need to get somebody who's proven and that was the one thing when i was raging when dean smith went like like i said it did probably time <coughs> but i wanted him if they were getting rid of him to bring in somebody ready made you know like then it would make sense and i think if they had brought in uni emery a year ago then you know we'd be a lot further down the line now um, I I I just do think he's a good appointment. I think, you know, if you might see some players that are that are popular now, like with any managerial appointment, players that are popular now mightn't be his cup of tea. Players that aren't so popular will come back into the team, and you'll be like, "What's going on?" and he might walk. Um, but just his contacts around Europe, um, his experience around Europe, his experience with different players. Um, I, I think it's a really good appointment from Villa and I think it is but I still think it's going to be one of those where they'll need to give him time you know like Davos mentioned there about getting time on the training ground I get that but Emery for me comes across the sort of manager that you need to give him I wouldn't be looking at that until the start of next season alright mm. don't get into trouble don't get yourself fucking into a relegation dogfight but the start of next season, you kind of go, let's see, because I said the same with Gerard when he came in, was it last October or November or whatever it was, don't expect anything out of Villa till this season, you know, and it's just not gone right, but I think it'd be the same with Emery, you're on the same sort of time frame where, you know, this time next year, if if, if they were similar this time next year to what they are now, I'd probably give Emery more time. Because it will take time to implement, and you have to remember, there's a lot. There's been a lot of players turned over in that club um, for big money, so it is going to take him time to pick through. But I think he's, I think he's an absolutely excellent appointment. I, I think, I think they should get. I think, listen, Porzlow has has no credit in the bank with Liverpool fans at no. all after after the beneath their stuff and, and the carry on with kind of fans groups and stuff like that after that. But like Conor said, maybe, maybe it's it's above him, but like they deserve a bit of credit anyway. For do you know what I mean? Like there's Wolves at the second the manager, and then went to Mick Bale, and Mick Bale said no, and now Wolves are giving it to your man, and they're kind of fucked now. Let's call a spade a spade. They're they're probably going down, um, are going to be in an absolute relegation scrap. Apparently, I, I look at I read it on Twitter from some journalist. I think Villa have been three or four weeks kind of putting this shortlist together, mm. um, kind of maybe. Uh, anticipating or listen doing their due diligence if, if things go wrong so and they have as soon as you'd imagine you'd imagine listen things don't just they didn't just pick up the phone this afternoon to Emery and then he said yeah at 6 o'clock this evening they've obviously been talking to him for the last week or so hasn't leaked out um, they've made that move they've done it uh, they've done it efficiently so I think they deserve a bit of credit for that because you can sack man like we've all seen it with our teams you sack managers and 
then you don't know who to give it to. And yeah, and Watford you're making a point. Same boat and fucking. You're yeah, making a point. You're all quick. over the place. Yeah, you make an appointment quick and it's not the right one where this looks yeah. like it's being a bit, a little bit planned in fairness. Um, if you're watching, hit the like button. If you can, please. Um, subscribe if you haven't already. Go to weareliverpool.ie and buy one of our uh, LFC DT beanie hats. Davo's definitely going to get one because he walks around yep. gaff in the morning all around the place in the cold. So he's going to get one. There's not many left, so make sure you're quick to go and get them. And if you buy one, you get entered into a draw. You buy them before November the 18th, you get into the, into a draw for some um, We Are Liverpool stuff. So weareliverpool.ie. Every item you buy between now and uh, November the 18th, you will get one entrant into the competition. So if you buy three items across the, the website, you'll get three entrants in. So check out weareliverpool.ie. That's where you will find it. Um, rest of the week, before I get to the lads, rest of the week, what day is today? Monday. Tomorrow we're going to preview Liverpool um, and Ajax. Wednesday, we're going to do full-time Reds. After that game, Thursday, we're going to have a big chat about FSG. Whoop. Uh, Friday, we're is, going Is to Andy do, on? No, we're going to do... Um, well, Andy said, what, you haven't shown? You never asked me. I said, I haven't asked anyone. Well, I'm not available. I went, okay. No, um, which is well, fair enough. No, he's not on. Um, Friday is Premier League forecast. Looking forward to the weekend's football. Saturday will be full-time Reds after Liverpool against Leeds. And Sunday, we will be back with the fat back for you. See, I'm as busy as this prick. You know, um, is, we're front of you. I'm not on boats and planes. Um, so, um, before we go, Davo, anything else to add? No, listen, that's football. We did. We did. We had a good week until Saturday morning, half twelve, and I fucking hope I never kick off a half twelve on a Saturday ever again. I fucking hate it. But now, look at that football. There's always another game around the corner. Bit of luck. Uh, get this put to bed now on Wednesday with a, a winner. A point does us, doesn't it? Uh, a point. Because I don't really want to be going into the last game needing something off Napoli the way they're fucking playing, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. So, yeah, look, a bit, bit, bit of luck. We get the job done on uh, on Wednesday night. So, we can put the feet up for that last game. Colin. Anything else before we go? Oh, no, I'm just trying to sort of maximise beating Brentford in a league game. Like, you know, cry me a river about your Champions League woes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want this to last as long as it can in the, in the week because Villa are going to fucking Newcastle now at the weekend and then they're going to have to listen to what a, what a sensible job Eddie Howe's doing, you know, yeah. with, with no transfer budget whatsoever. What yeah. a man. Yeah. Um, and just before they head off to Saudi Arabia for yeah, um, football and reasons to do a bit of training, oh, yeah. which is amazing, isn't it? Um, like, listen, it's just what it is. That's the way football's <laughs> going. But stop, stop talking bullshit to us, will you? Please. Like, it's not like what I find funny about that is we're going over there for football and reasons. We're like, Eddie, we're going to tell you. Two years ago, we were the manager of Newcastle. You're never going near fucking Saudi Arabia for a warm weather <laughs> yeah. training camp. It's like the live golfers golf. We're ground the yeah. game of golf. Yeah. And it just took, it took someone as stupid as Dustin Johnson just come out and go, oh, listen, I'm here for the money. Yeah. yeah. End of story. Yeah. Fair play to Dustin. Thanks very much. Million oh, but lads. I'm, I'm well, just here for the money. You give the PGA ring in two years and they'll take yeah. them back. That's how it goes. Right. That has been winners and losers. Thanks a million to everyone for watching. Um, Antio asks, uh, Where's it gone? He says, um, has have the two oh, did the two fellas dislike the stream yet, Gav? No, is the answer to that. There's always there's always one fella that dislikes every stream we do, which I just I think is brilliant. Hasn't turned up tonight, could be busy. Is the great British bake off right on? I don't know. But um could be busy. So Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, is that Tuesdays, is it? Well, yeah. you got the mark there, weren't you? Um, but no hasn't disliked it yet but I'm sure he will at some stage Um, that has been winners and losers I better let us go because that was up in 20 minutes for work Conan is off to look at um, Cruel's catalogues I would reckon Um, that's how he works nowadays there's the one dislike but that's just someone winding me up Um, that's it talk to you in a bit over and out Sports Social Podcast Network